You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Today we are continuing our our series that we started last week talking about thankfulness, being thankful. It fits into this season that we're in as well as the devotional that we've been reading, the 40-day devotional we've been reading. And um, again, it's not too late if you are like, man, I wish I would have joined in with that. It's not too late. All you need to do is very simple. We have a video on our Facebook And I want to encourage you, if you have not yet, if you're one of the few people that have not taken the time to friend us on Facebook, please do that. You get a lot of information, a lot of updates about what's happening in the church. But also, um, uh, you can go and find how to do that. It's very simple. If you don't have the Bible app called YouVersion, go to your app store, download it, and then go to the link on our Facebook page. And just click that link and it will uh, get you on, um, on the devotional. And so, um, today, we're going to talk about something that we don't attribute to thankfulness, and that's being thankful for the bumps and the bruises of life. (laughs) You guys are like, oh, wrong Sunday to come, right? No. Listen, we have to understand that it's easy to be thankful for the things that we love. It's easy to be thankful. Jesus actually made a statement that kind of ties into that thought concerning who we, who we love, right? And Jesus, Jesus looked at some of the Pharisees and the people of the day and said they were complaining about who he was spending time with and they, they were dirty people. They were uh, not, the, not the people who were in the, considered to be good people or in the in crowd or whatever, however you want to say it. And Jesus looked at them and said, look, it's easy for us to love the people who are easy to love. But it's more difficult to love the people who are difficult to love, Right? And so the same thing applies concerning thankfulness. And in our life, we, we, it's easy for us to take time. Maybe we lose a little bit of perspective and, and realize we need to stop and say thank you. We haven't been as thankful as we, we've normally been or we need to be. But it becomes especially challenging when it comes to being thankful during the bumps and the bruises, the hard times, the trials of our life. And so we're going to talk about that and understand why God asks us to be thankful in those times and what it does for us. Last week, if you missed it, it's not too late. You can can grab our podcast. But we talked about the the story of the ten lepers, but only one came back. And what that means and how that one leper taught us how to be thankful to Jesus, that we have to be passionate, that we have to be a people that turn around and with a loud voice become passionate for the, our, in our thankfulness for Jesus. That we have to be a people who are willing to uh, create new patterns, to get close to Jesus. All these things playing. So if you missed that, go ahead and, and check that out on podcast. Go open your Bibles to James chapter 1. And we're going to just be hanging out here in just a, a few passages in James 1. Okay? In James 1, 2, it says this, Consider it pure joy. That's really good. That's the best part about what you're going to hear in this, in this verse. <laughs> Y'all just laugh, with, laugh and smile with me today, okay, really. Consider it pure joy. Got it. Check. I'm good with that. Yes, I'm happy. Smile. Turn that frown upside down. My brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kind. What? <laughs> nope. <laughs> uh, that's a misquote in the Bible. No. Um, 
No, Jesus meant exactly what he said here. The Holy Spirit is trying to teach us something. But it is uh, contrary to the way that we naturally think about the bumps and the bruises of our life. A few months ago, I spoke about going through the storm, and I talked about this, and we're going we're to talk about it from a slightly different angle, about being thankful for them, these, these, these things. But it's contrary to the way that we approach the, the hard times in our life. But we have to understand a few things about hard times. We, we, you know, and I said this a few months ago, but hard times happen to everybody. There's not a person in this room that has not been through some kind of difficult season or time in their life, whether it was directly happening to you or indirectly around you. You felt that weight, and it stinks. Why? Because the first thing you have to understand is that tough times are hard. You're like, duh, we get that. But why are they hard? Think about it for just a second. Not only do they happen to everyone, but they make us uncomfortable. Why do tough times, why are they so difficult? Why do they make us uncomfortable? Because they stretch us, don't they? They stretch us. They put us past our comfort zones, the the patterns that we normally get into. And this is something that we're going to find is very important in learning how to be thankful uh, when it comes to these these times in our life. Because we very naturally as human beings, we get into a pattern, don't we? And we don't like it when our pattern is mixed up. I don't even like it when one of my kids breaks into my bedroom before I'm supposed to wake up. Parents, for real, I'm the only one, really? You've never been woken up out of a sleep and been like, you know, oh, thank you. I I needed to get up an extra 30 minutes early. (laughs) Oh, come on, y'all. Wake up. Wake up, wake up, wake up. We are very comfortable people. We are very much set into a rhythm and a pattern. And so, and so hard times, they, they stretch us. They draw us out of the levels of uncomfortability. They draw, draw us into a place uh, where we don't understand. They shake us. They shake our sense of stability. They shake our sense of peace. And more importantly, listen, just step it up a level, is that they, they shake our ability to trust the reliance of God. Come on. Because sometimes we look and we say, God, where are you in the middle of this situation? They're they're hard. They bring us into the unfamiliar. But the second thing you need to understand about these trials, these tough times, the bumps and bruises of life, is that they're important. They're important. They teach us things that we can only learn from them. Now, I need you to really just hear what I'm saying this morning. Because a lot of times when we choose to reject or resist the tough times of our life and, and to stay in a place where we're not allowing the Holy Spirit to speak to us, and yes, it is difficult. We're going to talk about that a little bit more, huh? how, how we can do that. But what happens is this, is that we are resisting some things that God is trying to teach us. We're resisting some things that God is trying to teach us that only we can learn through those bumps and bruises. And this is what James tells us here. We're going to read in just a second. They prove truth in us that can only be proved in a tough time. Now, I I wrestled in high school. I wasn't good. I I enjoyed doing it, whatever. My kids always say, they look at me and go, really, Dad? Really? In my mind, I'm still that. I'm still a contender, you know? But they look, Dad, look, no, you're really not, you know? Um, 
But we used to go in, in wrestling practice is that our coach, this is before teachers cared about students, um, is that they used to put us in this room that had wrestling pads covering this room, and it was a, probably a, a 30 by 20 room, and there would be 20 guys in there, and we'd all line up against the wall, and then my coach would take a padlock, and he would lock the door, and he would turn on the heat. And then on his go, he would say, start running around the room, and we would just run one behind each other around the room in a circle until he said drop, and we would do push-ups, get up, start running again, do sit-ups, push-ups, sit-ups, push-ups, sit-ups. This was conditioning for two hours. We didn't get a drink of water. We didn't, and we would, we would sit there, and our bodies would be shaking. We'd be in a push-up, and we had to do them all together, and we'd be up, and we'd be like, Ugh! and if somebody failed, Somebody else had to do it, and we would just think this is never going to end. We're going to die. But this is what I always remembered. As I sat outside the school waiting for my mom to pick me up, as my body was recovering, I began to tell myself, I didn't die. I didn't die. Andy, you didn't die. Andy, you actually feel better. Andy, you actually know that you can do this. You see, this is how tough times work in our life. And some of the things that God is showing us that we're going to see here as we go into the next verse about patience and understanding and letting patience have its full work is that there are things that only tough times can teach us that they prove in us. And we need to learn those things because it perfects something in us that God desires to do. But here's what I want us to come to this morning is this, is that our attitude to choose to be thankful during the tough times makes the difference in how we go through them. Choosing to be thankful, not just choosing to admit that they're hard and that they're stretching, not just choosing to know that God is teaching us something, but making a higher decision, coming into a higher truth that God is trying to teach us to be thankful. And this is what James is telling us. That's why he says this. That's why this scripture doesn't read like this. When you go through these trials of life, consider it joy. Instead, it reads like this. Consider it pure joy when you go through the trials of life. Why? Because it's the best decision you can make to bring you into the greatest amount of understanding and revelation that God is trying to bring you to. So let's talk about this for just a second. How do we begin to decide to choose to look at the rough times of life through the lens of thankfulness and joy? How do we do this? You know, this is my question. I don't know if it's your question. This is the elephant in the room for me. To say this, to say, listen, I can wrap my head around the principle, but I need to know how. I need to know how I'm going to have joy whenever it comes to understanding the hard times of my life. Okay, let's talk about this. The first thing is this, is that we need a new understanding of joy. We need a new understanding of joy. And this is where there's a little bit of the disciplining of the Lord that comes into some of these trials and bumps that happen to us. Let me clear things up, just in case any of you are beginning to worry or be concerned, because James talks about this, and it's this perplexed thing that sometimes we struggle with, in relationship to the goodness of God and God being a good father. I've had this question as a pastor many times, and it's this, does God do these things? Does God, is he the originator of these things? And what I, what I want to tell you is that the best answer, the, the shortest answer is no. That God is, not, God is not targeting you in the sense of trying to harm you or trying to hurt you. 
But I do want to tell you something. God does allow them. And the reason why God allows them is because he's perfecting something in you. And sometimes when it comes to being thankful during the bumps and the bruises and the trials of our life, the thing that we have to understand is that we need a new revelation of joy. Because what we've done is that we've counterfeited our joy. Sometimes in life what happens is this, and I I see this in my life, is that I begin to put things in the category of joy. If I have certain things or if I achieve something or if I am able to do this or when this event comes and I'll be joyful and I'm, I'm going on vacation. If I can just get to vacation, I'm going to be happy. I'm going to be joyful. If I can have this amount of money in my account, then I'll be joyful. And see, what God does is this, is he asks us to allow the Holy Spirit to put a new understanding of joy in us. And the joy that God gives us, when, we, when he says consider it pure joy, is a joy that is not based on circumstances. It's a joy that is not based on circumstances. And this is where God wants to bring every one of us is into this truth. That no matter what is coming against us or happening in us, there is a joy that will never leave us because of who he is. See, what, what God is saying here in this, this scripture that we're reading is this, is that the joy that he gives is, is greater than anything that we perceive that we need. As a matter of fact, when we read down through into a little bit further into James, that what's happening is that what is being built inside of us and the joy that's being built inside of us is a joy of becoming Christ-like. Now, I know that sounds foreign and that sounds strange, and it's a challenge that I want to challenge every one of us to as a a Freedom Christian Fellowship is asking the Holy Spirit to look at the Word of God first and ask the Holy Spirit to give us a revelation of the joy that comes when we get on a journey to be more like Jesus. See, because what takes place is this, is that I make an exchange in several areas of my life when I decide to become like Christ, is that I make an exchange in what I on my peace levels. I make an exchange that I'm not tempering my peace and my, my ability to understand or my ability to, 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 to give peace, but what I begin to do is I begin to have peace, the peace that Jesus brings. I begin to temper my love, not in my ability to love or in my lack of ability to love or my frustration with people. Do you understand what I'm saying here? See, because some of the things that are facing some of us today are a result of maybe relational things. Some of them are a result of being able to understand if God cares for us. These are the bumps and the bruises that we're coming to, and it's hitting our joy. It's hitting our ability to be thankful. And so when Jesus says, when the scripture we read says this, consider it pure joy, it's an invitation to be like Jesus. Because when I substitute my ability to have peace with the peace of Jesus, it's greater than what I can do when I substitute my ability to love with the love that Jesus loved me and puts in me, it's greater. And so there is a joy that comes from that. And I want to challenge you this morning to take that journey of joy because in order to see the things and the difficulties of your life, we have to have a new understanding of joy. The second thing is this. This is so amazing. Now, I want to read, before I say this, I want to read James 1, 3. Because you know 
that the testing of your because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. You know what that doesn't say? It doesn't say this, because you know that the testing of your ability, Andy, produces perseverance. It doesn't say, because you know that the testing of Andy produces perseverance. And this is the second thing that I want to show you concerning how we become thankful in the bumps and the bruises of our life, is that we have to understand what's being tested. See, a lot of times when we hit trials in our life, we take it personally, don't we? We feel like a personal attack, but this is what the Scripture is saying. It is not you that's being tested. It is your faith. It is your faith. And there is a distinct difference in understanding that. Why? Because you are not contributing to your faith. You are standing on the truth of the Word of God. And the Word of God does not fail. Do you see that? See, see, God is setting you up for success. He's saying, listen, it's not you that's being tested, but it is my word in you that's being tested, and my word in you will not fail. My word in you will not fail. But it produces something instead. And isn't this a turn of events? When we understand that there is something in us that cannot fail, the Word of God, when we anchor ourselves into it, but what takes place is that it produces, instead of failing, it produces perseverance. I began to think about this, and I said, look, Lord, wow. I kind of miss that sometimes because what I, what I say, what I, when, I, when I read this, what I see sometimes and I misunderstand it is this idea that it's my strength. <laughs> it's my ability. Oh, God, I did something to hurt you. This is why this is happening. Oh, God, this is, you know, this is why, this is why. And, 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 I, and I personalize it and I make it about me. But I believe what the scripture is saying is that it's not about me. It's, it's about the word of God in me. It's about the word of God in me. And it gives us this insight into a, what I believe is a powerful truth that our faith is being tested. And it's not our faith is not our ability to work out the circumstances or the situation in our strength. Or, nor is it to understand in, in our natural wisdom. Oh, now come on. Oh, I love this. I'm going to get a little excited here, all right? I'm going to try not to jump on any chairs or drop kick one of my kids. No, I'm just kidding. Y'all smile a little bit. <laughs> Some of you understand this. Some of you have been in this situation even the last few weeks where you understand. You tried to figure something out in your own ability. You got worried something was hitting you like a hurricane, like a force, and you tried. You thought you were going to try to figure it out, but you couldn't find a solution. But you got up in the time and the place, and you realized that God went to battle for you, that he did everything, that it wasn't anything that you had to do in your strength or your ability or your wisdom or your power or anything had to do with you, but it was the goodness of God and the fulfillment of his word. <laughs> oh. And you can be thankful because God's word doesn't fail. It doesn't fail. The third thing is this. Is understanding how patience and faith go hand in hand. How patience and faith go hand in hand. 
In James 1, 4, it says this. Let perseverance finish or patience finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Being thankful during the the trials of our life, we have to understand not only do we need a, a fresh revelation of joy and to understand that it's our faith inside of us, something that cannot fail, that's being tested, but we also have to see how patience and faith go hand in hand. See, because patience teaches us to wait on the Lord. Patience will teach us to wait on the Lord. When the scripture here tells us this, that there is something that when patience finishes its, its, its work, that we're going to be mature, complete, not, not lacking anything. It brings us to this understanding of a, of a completeness, of a strength that, that stands up against the, the, the tests of the storms of life. A strength inside of us from the Holy Spirit that, that, that allows us to be joyful when the storms of life come. It allows us to be thankful. Why? Why? Because what patience does is it teaches us to wait on the Lord. And we have to learn this, that in our life, God asks us to go at His pace, not Him go at our pace. And there are things that God is doing in us as we learn to wait on Him. As we learn to wait on Him. We want it all at once, don't we? When we're going through the storms and the trials and the bumps and the bruises of life, we want out immediately. But when we understand that the goodness of God, that faith is beginning to grow inside of us, and that there is something that's taking place that is going to cause us to be steadfast, then we can stop and learn to be patient and wait on the Lord. My dad used to tell me this all the time. And as a teenager, I, I just blew by this statement. I mean, and dads, listen, as a dad now, I'm like, man, oh, why couldn't I have been smarter? Because I would just go, 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 go. I mean, there were times when I was about to leave right before I graduated high school, before I went to Bible school, that my parents, I saw them, you know, maybe two hours a week. I would just be in my car, boom, 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 you know, going to my friends, going to church, doing all these things. And I'd say, Dad, can I just go? Can I go? And my dad looked at me one time and said, Son, you're not going to be able to do, go all the places you want to go and do all the things you want to do. You're going to have to slow down. You're going to have to learn to wait. And as a teenage boy, I didn't want to hear that. I didn't want to hear how to wait. I I didn't want to miss out on anything. But what I found is this, is that I pulled that into my faith journey. And a lot of us have, that we don't want to wait on anything, but we miss out on the truth that comes from waiting on the Lord. Scripture tells us this, that those who wait on the Lord will renew their strength. They will mount up as with wings as eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. And so we understand that there is something significant that comes when we learn to wait on the Lord. And I want to encourage every one of you, no matter what it is that you're walking through, a storm or not a storm, to begin to be thankful for the ability to wait on the Lord. When we learn to be patient, what it does is this, is that it opens up the supernatural 
and the impossible realm of God. When we choose to wait on the Lord, we begin to invite His ability into the situation. There have been so many times that in my life that when I've walked through something that I've looked to my own strength, I've looked to my own ability, but I've missed out on the truth that God wants to perform something supernatural in my behalf. That he wants to do something powerful, something that is going to just really blow my mind. And when I learn to be patient, what I'm doing is opening up the door. And this makes me thankful. Why? Because every time, all the time, I want to see God move supernaturally in my life. See, do you understand this? That a lot of times what takes place, and we, we, if we hunger for the supernatural, if we hunger for a greater move of God, and you should, you should, every one of us should. We should all desire to see God move powerfully in our lives. But if you are going to see God move powerfully in your life, you are going to have to learn to get out of the way. And that is what this scripture is saying, that you, you need to be patient to the point where you say, God, I'm not going to try to figure it out myself, but I'm going to trust your ability, your supernatural ability in my life. And you're going to do things that are going to just begin to blow my mind. Patience teaches us to trust. It removes our tendency to add our effort to the work of faith. It teaches us to trust. I'm going to read a story in just a few minutes about a very powerful story about Corey Timboom. And uh, I'm just amazed in my life sometimes that I've missed the opportunity to grow in trust. When God has asked me to be thankful for these situations, that somehow I value getting out of a tough time more than understanding his care. You see that? See, I know God's able to heal. I've seen him heal. I've seen him heal in my life. I've seen him heal in many of your lives. I know God is able to break through in financial situations. I've seen him do it in my life, and I've seen him do it in your life. I know God is able to restore relationships. He has done it in my family. He has done it in your families. He has done it in, in, in areas all over. But a lot of times, this is in my heart, what I'm concerned with is this. Is that if I desire just to see the, 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 the fulfillment of whatever my need is, whatever is coming and pushing against me, instead of understanding and learning how to trust, then what is being perfected in me? And I want you to hear the magnitude of this scripture for just a second, because here is what God is saying and why it's teaching us to be thankful, is because when we choose to do this and allow patience to have its perfect work so that we are mature, complete, lacking nothing, what takes place is this, is that the trust of God becomes steadfast in us so that no matter where he calls us, we don't need to see what's in front of us because we trust him. Amen. So, all right. I don't, I just, I, I don't want, I want that to make sense, you know. All right. Let's keep going. Michael, come on up. Please, sir. I'm going to wrap this up. So I want us just to give a, a little bit, some more legs to, to this message. I feel like, I honestly feel like there's something on that <coughs> perseverance thing. 
I know I'm talking to a group of people that are part of our church here. But I want us to push into that as a church. This is even why we're doing this. This is even why we're doing the 40 days. And I would never, I would never be the pastor who would look at you and say, there's a significance to, to being here at our prayer time or our corporate times of prayer. But what, what, I, what I am going to say is you need to set aside some time, especially if you find your life more on the request side as opposed to the answer side, to say, God, I need to get, I need to get into a place where I trust you and I wait on you and so that I can see your goodness come through and the supernatural come through so that I can be per- perfected and mature on the inside so that the trust of God begins to grow in me. It becomes steadfast in me. So where do we go from here? In Ezra 3, there's, a, there's a, a powerful time for Israel. They're coming out of exile. And God put it on Ezra's heart, prophesied, and there were men of Israel that came, and they began to rebuild the temple of God. <clears throat> Just in a nutshell, concerning the prophets and the Old Testament, Ezra and Nehemiah go hand in hand. Because Israel had sinned, the kingdom got split. God spoke to him through Isaiah and told him, if you continue in this, if you continue in this rebellion, that I'm going to pull you away from this covenant land that I gave Abraham. And they did. They rebelled against God. And they were exiled, they were pulled from their land, but in Ezra what we see is this, is that God is speaking in his, his loving kindness and his mercies, and man, you have to understand this about the heart of God. And in so many ways it, paralyzed, it, par- it parallels, I'm sorry, our understanding of seeing God's goodness in the midst of trials and, and the bumps and bruises of our life. Because God didn't leave Israel in exile, but he called them back and he spoke through Ezra. And he commanded them to go back and to rebuild the temple of God. And the temple was in ruins. And the walls of Jerusalem were in ruins. They had been overtaken. But there was such a significance to having the presence of God amongst his people. And so this journey that God enlists Ezra to begin to 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 speak out and the people of Israel to begin to take. This journey is one of rebuilding and, and understanding how to be thankful when everything around you is devastated. And what we read in Ezra 3 is this beautiful story of in the midst of devastation, that how as a people they chose to be thankful and God began to restore them. So this morning, if you're here and you say, well, how do I start to be thankful in the midst of the the tough areas of my life? I want to read this to you. In Ezra 3, 2, it says, Then Joshua, the son of Josadak, and the fellow priests, and Zerubbabel, the son of Sheatel, and his associates began to build the altar of God of Israel to sacrifice burnt offerings on it in accordance with what is written in the law of Moses, the man of God. The very first thing that they did when they came back after they got done surveying where the temple was 
as they knew that they couldn't rebuild the temple quickly. That was going to be a bigger process. But what they could do is to set up a place of sacrifice. And what that symbolizes is this for us today. Is that if we want to be thankful in the tough times of our life, we have to invite God to be at the, the center of every situation in our life. This is what Israel did, is they put God right in the middle of the ruin. They put God, they cleared off enough space where the, 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 the patio of the temple would be, where the altar would go up. Before they could see the temple, they're looking at bricks and rubble on the ground, and they cleared out a space, and they made a place to sacrifice, and they said, God, if we're going to do what you called us to do, and if there is going to be joy and thankfulness in our heart, then we have to put you at the center even while there's ruin. And if you want to be thankful, put Jesus in the middle of your life. Put Jesus first. Put Jesus first. And if that means being at church on Sunday, then put Jesus first. Because it's not about your bottom being in a chair, in a sanctuary, somebody somewhere across this community. It is about saying, Jesus, I'm going to set aside my life and put you first. Amen. In Ezra 3, 4, it says this. Then in accordance with what is written, they celebrated the festival of tabernacles and required a number of burnt offerings prescribed for each day. And this is what this means, is that they chose, they chose to be thankful. They chose thankfulness. And this is incredibly powerful to me, is that once they sat, set up a place to sacrifice to the Lord, to say, God, we're going to honor you first. This is, this is the result for them. This is the result of the rebellion. And God, we're putting you first. Is that they begin to celebrate. That they begin to remind themselves of the goodness of God, that they celebrated the festival of tabernacles, that they remembered when God delivered them and kept them and, and kept them secure in the wilderness, that they, they put their attention to that, that they chose thankfulness, even though, even though the temple and the walls were still in ruin. Sometimes we lose sight of deciding to be thankful in the and understanding how much that contributes to creating thankfulness in our heart. And so what we have to do is, in order to be thankful, even when things in our life aren't going right, is we need to focus on the right things. we got to focus on the right things. Focus on what God is doing, not on what you don't think He's doing. Focus on what He's done. If you don't have anything to focus on, then focus on something that God has done in somebody else's life. Anchor yourself in the word. Find something or someone to be thankful for. I'm going to read you this story about Corey Ten Boom. I read this and it just hit me so powerfully. Corey Ten Boom, a Holocaust survivor who helped many Jews escape the Nazis during World War II. As a result of her bravery, she too was imprisoned and spent time in a Nazi concentration camp 
This is in her autobiography, The Hiding Place. Some of you might have read this before. One night after her and her sister Betsy, they were in prison together. One night after discovering their cell was filled with fleas, the two sisters sat down together for their Bible study. Corey came to a passage in 1 Thessalonians that said, Rejoice always, pray continually, constantly. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus. At that, Betsy burst with excitement. That's it, Corey. That's his answer. Give thanks in all circumstances. Betsy proceeded to thank God for their blessings despite their situation. At the end of her prayer, she prayed, Thank you for the fleas. Corey was shocked, but Betsy reassured her that they reassured her that they were supposed to be thankful in all things, including the fleas. At the time, she could not have imagined why to be thankful for the fleas, only that she should be. Later, she learned that the flea infestation that pr- had protected the girls from the brutality of the Nazi guards who avoided the cell where she was because of the fleas. Now, a lot of times, we, it's about what we choose to focus on. Because you imagine, I mean, we can't. We can't wrap our heads around that one. But when we begin to see the power of what a thankful heart does, and this is why I'm reminded of what Israel did when they rebuilt the temple of God, is that they tied themselves in before anything came to be. It was reconstructed in their lives into a decision to be thankful. And I can promise you today that your decision to be thankful, even in the hardest times of your life, will produce joy and steadfastness in you. And then finally, Israel chose to rejoice, to rejoice in the goodness of God. How is this different than choosing to be thankful when you can get up and you can dance and clap and lift your hands before God and worship Him in the beauty of who He is? What takes place is this. In spite of your circumstances and your situation, there's something miraculous that takes place. In Ezra 3.11, it says this. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Israel endures forever. And all the people gave a great shout of praise to the Lord because the foundations, foundation of the house of the Lord was laid. They hadn't built the walls. They hadn't done any of the finished work. They didn't put the roof on. But the foundation was laid. And they chose to worship the Lord with a significant scripture here. A psalm of praise. With praise and thanksgiving, they sang to the Lord, He is good. His love toward Andy, his love toward Sandy, his love toward you endures forever. And when we can get into a place where we can just worship God in the beauty of who he is and the truth of who he is and say, God, no matter what it is, maybe I see a little bit, maybe it's not the fulfillment of what I need, but I trust you because you are good and your love endures forever. Choosing to be thankful, even in the most difficult times of our life. It's not easy, but when we choose to do it and invite the Holy Spirit to come in and to help us with that, it begins to change our life. Amen. Let me pray for you this morning. 
Thank you for being here. I want to invite you to be here tonight at 6 if you can. It's going to be a good time. I don't like teasing things out there. But I, I, I do. I feel like the Lord wants to do something. If you've never, and this is, a, this is a big stretch right here for some of you, but I want to just reassure you. If you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, then you want to be. And what that means is, again, I don't, I don't want to dig too deep in this. But what that means is this, is that we believe when you come into salvation, the Holy Spirit is in you. But we believe in a second work, which is the, what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit, the immersion of the Holy Spirit, what happened in the book of Acts. And if you need that this morning, I want to pray for you. Maybe you need a fresh, just, you need to say, I just need to reconnect with that. And that's okay. That happened. If you read the book of Acts, it happened all throughout the book of Acts. Let me, let me tell you very confidently, it was not a one and done. It was not an upper room experience. That gift doesn't leave you, but sometimes you need to encourage yourself in it, right? Sometimes it gets dormant, and you need to go, I need to, I need to get this out of the closet and start using this and start to encourage myself in the Lord. Why? Because the Scripture says this, that when we pray in the Spirit, when we pray in the Spirit, we edify ourselves. We build ourselves up. And I would say something, too, that's so powerful, especially in the midst of some of the tough stuff that hits us in life, that if you need to be encouraged and you need to, you need to know how to pray in the Spirit, you need to begin to do that. All right? I promise you. I don't know why I'm going down this road, but I'm going to keep going down it for just a little bit. All right? When I pray in the Spirit, and we call that praying in tongues... What happens is this. I pray, and I don't understand what I'm saying. You go, well, then why do you do it? Because as I begin to operate in that gift, what happens is I'm not praying in my understanding, but I'm praying from my spirit. Because there are times, especially when things are compacting in around me, I don't know how to pray. I come in, and I'm a mess. I'm a hot mess. God, help. Help me. I'm sorry. I need you help. I did wrong. Where are you at? Just me. And so I'll start praying in the Spirit. And as that begins to grow, what happens is immediately from that place, I'll pray in my understanding, but from a place in my spirit. You see the difference? Because here's what I want to tell you. All right. Oh, man. Okay, no, no, I know. Is that God has put every one of you in relationship. You're in the community of the body, and you need that, and you need that as a source of encouragement. But I want to tell you something. It is never to take the place of having the intimacy with the Holy Spirit. It is never to take the place of walking in the Spirit. And what my fear is is this, is that for some of us, what we've done is that we've supplemented too much of 
having to lean on somebody else instead of beginning to stand up in the spirit. You still need to be connected to somebody. You still need to be in relationship, but you need to be in the spirit. All right? Okay. All right. Let's stand up. Thanks, man. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. All right. Okay. Mm, You're good. Just want you to close your eyes. Holy Spirit, we just welcome you here. We just welcome you here. So every person here that says, listen, I need a a fresh dose of thankfulness. You might be walking through something tough. Mm. Just say, that's me. I just want you to slip up your hand. Say, I need a fresh dose of thankfulness. All right? Come on. Mm. Now I just want you to put an expectancy on the Holy Spirit right now. Mm. Holy Spirit, we expect your pure joy. We expect your pure joy, your pure joy right now, your pure joy. You said consider it pure joy. Consider it pure joy. Take the opportunity to be joyful. Hmm. Holy Spirit, right now, just begin to release the understanding, the revelation of your goodness, that the implanted word that you put inside of Every person here, God, first and foremost, let them lock on to a promise by faith. God, and I pray right now that, they, that that faith would begin to grow. That that faith would begin to grow. And that joy would come in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus that allows them to see past the temporary into the place of where you're going, what you're doing, and what you're saying, God. Thank you, Jesus. Holy Spirit, just release your joy. Just release your joy. Just release your joy. If you're comfortable, just lift your hands. Just say, just release joy over me, Holy Spirit. Release joy over me, Holy Spirit. Mm. Release joy over me. You've been wrestling with something for a while. You just need the joy of the Lord. Just release Just say, Holy Spirit, I I receive that joy right now. I just receive that joy right now. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I just declare just the freshness over every person here, God, that there's some folks that are weary. I just declare freshness, a new day, God, in the name of Jesus. I'm not just saying that. I mean that. I believe the Lord just wants to just, just make this stamp that on you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. All right. All right. We're going to close with this. But this morning, if you need, listen, if you need to be filled with the Holy Spirit or you need a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit, I'm going to invite you to come up in just a second. And if that's you, we're just going to have some ministry up here at the altar. And if that's not you, I'm going to encourage you to do one of two things, to stay and pray. That's what I'd really encourage you to do. 
But if you need to go, you can go. I'm going to bless you and then I'm going to invite you to come. Father, I thank you, Lord, for every person here. God, I thank you for the richness and the goodness of your glory filling every person here. That your goodness follows them all the days of their life. Lord, I thank you for your joy. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need, if you need either to receive the Holy Spirit or to get just a fresh outpouring of the Holy Spirit, come on to the front. Just come on to the front. Come on. Come on. That's you. Come on. Come on. Come on. Hmm. Not a one of you, huh? It's all right. And just begin to pray. Begin to pray. Holy Spirit, we just thank you. We just welcome you here. Just a fresh outpouring. If you just need a fresh baptism in the Holy Spirit, I just want you to lift your hands. And if you can lift your hands, you can come up. Come on. Hmm. More, 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 more. Come on, folks. We all need it. Just come on. I'm not trying to push you up here, but I know that there's just, come on. We've been hanging on something. It's time to just push in. It's time to push in. Come on. Come up. Just begin to cry out, God, I just want more of you. I just want more of you. There's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with this prayer. Holy Spirit, we want more of you. We want more of you. Just a fresh, a fresh baptism, a fresh baptism, a fresh touch, a fresh touch. We're hungry for you. We are hungry for you. God, just begin to stir us up. Oh, we are hungry for you. We are hungry for you. We're hungry for you. More, 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 more. Thank you. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you for more. 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 Thank you for more, Holy Spirit. Thank you for more. 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 